Hey, good morning. Welcome to Cold Springs Church. Very glad to see everybody here this morning. And uh, it's beautiful to have a nice, beautiful, somewhat smoke-free morning, right? Uh, man, there's a lot to, lot to praise God for in the midst of our, in the midst of our lives. And um, yeah, you know, four weeks, right? You know, what a difference um, life um, can shift and to change and all of those things. As we recover from the Caldor fire, you know, I know that containment, you know, continues to grow and particularly in the areas uh, where it affects and impacts um, lives and homes um, the greatest. So that's really, you know, praise and prayer for our firefighters. I, I saw a neat uh, post on Facebook within our children's ministry or Kids World who uh, they had made thank you cards for um, the firemen. And um, there's some people who are doing laundry and for the firemen, and they put the thank you notes in the, in the laundry that they're returning to the firemen. Uh, so that's just so, you know, it's just so neat, that, that expression of blessing, and uh, particularly coming from our kids, and that's our awesome children's ministry um, and the leadership there that really has a heart for our community and, and reaching out. And um, so a lot, of, a lot of praise there. A couple of things I, I want to share uh, before we um, open up our scriptures today. One is uh, you heard in, the, in our community building video about baptisms coming up. And um, in, if you haven't been baptized and you are a follower of Jesus, I really encourage you to consider taking that step. Uh, and, and, you know, baptism is that, that time where we declare publicly um, our, you know, allegiance, our, that we're following Jesus. It's, it's a bit of a, a line in the sand moment for us. But another appropriate time for us to, to do that is, is to, when we have uh, maybe made a, a return to Jesus or we became a follower of Jesus as a kid or a young adult and um, but there's been a line that has been drawn in our lives to turn our lives back towards God. And that we really want to express that. And so that is both an internal for us, but it's an external that we are sharing with the world. And uh, if you want to explore that more, we have our information, um, that uh, session where we explain and talk about uh, baptism. We'd love to talk with you individually about that, um, of what that next step means. We really encourage you that uh, you would consider that if there's been a spiritual turning point in your life, that you would mark that um, with this step of baptism. And uh, you can find out more information always on our, going on our website, coldspringschurch.net. Um, getting a hold of the office um, will we'll help you out there. Uh, the other thing is, is just... Um, this has been sort of a heavy weekend with the whole 9-11 um, remembrance, you know, 20 years uh, of that, um, and, you know, when that happened. And almost guaranteed, um, you remember where you were and what you were doing in that moment. Um, I was at a conference down in the Bay Area with a group of pastors and was in a hotel room as I watched um, those planes go into the buildings. I called Pam and, and woke her up and asked her what she was doing and, and uh, immediately headed back. It was just a life-changing. It was one of those moments where I remember saying to myself, the world is now different, right? And we're experiencing another one of those in this last two years, right? The world is now different. Um, and we keep coming into those moments. But here's the thing that we can always remember is, is that God is not. 
Um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that we can trust him in the midst of 9-11. We can trust him in the midst of the coronavirus. Marilyn Schaefer, who's a part of our community, who's a retired flight attendant, um, worked many years with United Airlines. And she was working um, uh, for United at that time, not on the East Coast where all this happened. But she forwarded me a story about um, Flight 93 and that Flight 93 was directed to, was hijacked and was the, their target was the White House. Um, it was Washington, D.C. And uh, the heroic people, I think there was 40 people on that flight, uh, passengers that over, you know, overpowered the hijackers and it ended up going into a field. And it went with such force, it had so much fuel that it just disintegrated. I mean, there was just nothing left. Except when the first responders came there, they found a Bible. Um, and there's research story within this. And, and the Bible was opened into 1 Kings. And the Bible uh, was, he said that the pages were, were just like white as snow. And it was open. Everything else was around it was obliterated. And it was uh, the Bible of, they tracked it down, of a, of a, of a man who um, was a follower of Jesus. And the, the comment was it was well used. And there was a list of names in there. And he worked with people who were in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And the list of names were the people that he was praying for. And, um, and his wife as well worked with those who were vulnerable and those who were challenged. But it really ministered in the midst of all this destruction. You know, here was the word of God um, stood. And, and that is true for us today, is, is that the Word of God stands, um, no matter what's going on around us, and we can trust it. So let's pray this morning. Jesus, thank you for your Word. Thank you for your truth, which uh, meets us wherever we are, whatever's going on, whatever we're facing and experiencing in life, and that uh, you are faithful, that your voice speaks loudly. And Lord, we pray this morning that that would happen, that we pray that we would encounter your word and that we would hear your voice in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Think. Now, as a father to particularly boys, uh, that was a word, just that word was a word that I used fairly numerous times in my parenting journey. And, um, and I had this wisdom saying that I would tell, uh, I would tell my kids, or tell my boys, and it was this. Remember, as they're about ready to go out and hang out with their friends, for every boy that is added to a group, half a brain goes away. <laughs> So if there's, if there's one boy, there's one brain, it's undeveloped all the way, but there's one brain. If there's two boys, there's half a brain. If there's three, there's a quarter of a brain. It just keeps going down, right? Just for every boy, cut it in half. Right? And I was talking with my oldest son, Keenan, who reminded me of, of that, that saying. Um, and the problem is there seems to not be an age limit sometimes with that saying, right? You know, that boys... And there are some wives that just looked at their husbands. I don't know. Um, so that's one, one problem with this whole thing of think is, is that not thinking. The second is, is too much thinking. And that is something that is a pandemic in the world that we live now. Uh, anxiety, obsessive thoughts, worry, insomnia, 
or the other pandemic that is going on, the, the, the overwhelming sense of where people's brains and their minds are just whizzing and going and going and going. And those are mental habits that destroy peace and joy and connection when we give in to them. Now, we've been talking over this um, series called Grounded about how are we living our lives. And we're challenging this idea that godliness or uh, spiritual uh, maturity is finding this perfect center where everything is balanced but instead recognizing that the life that we live is in a constant pen pendulum swing, that there are blessings and there are challenges. There's joy and there's pain. And go to Ecclesiastes 3 at some time and read. You know, the, the wisdom writer recognizes this pendulum swing that we find ourselves in of going back and forth and back and forth. And that godliness and spirituality is not that, that we would stop in, you know, in this, this center, or find this center where there's complete peace and there's complete you know, balance because it doesn't exist and except that when the pendulum stops swinging, it means you're dead, right? It means that, that the clock stops. It's not working. It's not keeping time anymore. Is, is that the life that we live is in this pendulum swing. That wisdom is when we are able to experience God wherever the pendulum is swinging. And so this morning for you in your life, I'm sort of, you know, curious, what is, you know, where's the pendulum swinging? Where are you at this morning? And as, as we come into this, we recognize that God has made us as people who are spiritual people, who are thinking people, who are feeling people, who are moving action people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus says it's the greatest commandment. And those are the aspects of who we are, of that we are spiritual people, we are thinking people, we are feeling emotional people, and we are doing people, we are action people. So what does it mean to live grounded in the midst of, of, of that? The godly wisdom, again, is living in this pendulum swing. And godly wisdom is the righteous application of the knowledge of God, of ourselves, in our experience, to how we think, and to how we feel, and how we act, that's gonna result in flourishing relationships. It's going to result in life and in, in what Jesus said, an overflowing life that's going to affect our, our relationship with God and it's going to affect our relationship with, with the people around us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. That's the flourishing relationship. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up uh, to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. It's about the middle of the book if you're using a, a paper copy or it's a couple of uh, pointers on your phone if you're using that. In Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs chapter 1, the, the wisdom writer, as he begins to, to instruct us on what wisdom is and how to live a wise life, and he's directing this and writing this to his son, uh, wanting to pass on to this next generation a, a life of wisdom. And he reminds us that the way that we think 
what goes on in our mind is imminently important in this path, in this journey of wisdom. Let me read to you uh, Proverbs starting uh, chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. In verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Each and every one of us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And, and one of the, the, the hobbies or the interests that I have is, is that how has God made us, in particularly our brains? Our, our, um, and I teach course on this within coaching, you know, coaching in the brain, the neuroscience of coaching and, and, and how all of that takes place. And the more and more I, I understand of how we're made and how our brain works, the more I am amazed at the majesty of God. Um, science moves me towards God, doesn't move me away. Is that the deeper the understanding of how the world is made and how we're made, the, the more wonder I have at the complexity and the beauty of that, which points me towards this creator God. And, and, and that each of us is fear, fearfully and wonderfully made. So what is thinking? What is thinking? Now, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty deep and broad question <laughs> that is out there. But in, in one sense, um, thinking involves this part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. So it, it is the, it's the thing, this, right? You know, some of us have uh, more prominent foreheads than others. But, you know, it's, a, it's the thing right there. Is it said, you know, we're, we're growing brain cells, not hair cells, is the way that, that, that those of us who have these prominent foreheads, right? Um, and so the, the prefrontal cortex is the last part of the brain to develop. It's sort of the, the rational, you know, thinking part of the, the brain. And it, it doesn't develop fully until you're about 24 or 25 years old. That's why, um, you know, insurance rates for teenagers when they're driving is higher, right? Because they're not making good decisions because they sort of can't because their brain isn't all the way there. And there's, in, in general, there's sort of three parts of your brain and, and it's how you're, you develop in your mother's womb. You know, it starts with the brain stem and then it's the, the, the inside, um, the limbic system part of your brain and then this prefrontal cortex part of your brain, the outer part of the brain. That's a very simplistic, you know, approach. Uh, neuroscientists go, ah, but it, it's generally how it, it develops. And so thinking is, is, a lot of times we think about is engaging that front part of the brain. It's the, it, it's the, the logic part of things. But as scientists have worked on this, they've also understood there's actually a, a, that is very interconnected and there's some different networks that are engaged when we involve involved in thinking and so one of the networks is called the analytic ne network 
And the analytic network is engaged when we're involved in tasks, analytic tasks. When you're dealing with finances, right? And trying to figure out, do I have enough money to retire? You know, what do I need to save? What do I need to do? When you're involved in information technology and figuring out issues or problems, or you're an engineer or you're dealing with physics, anytime you're trying to solve a problem, you're involved in the analytic network. And it's a really important network because it, 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 it helps you to focus, right? And you, you sort of block out you know, distractions and that you're focused in on what the problem is and you're going to solve the problem. You're going to fix the problem that's there. Now, the, there's another network, though, and it's called the empathic network. And the empathic network, and, and they, they, they do functional MRIs, which means that they're taking pictures of people's brains as they're doing different tasks, and they're able to see different parts of the brain light up. So they know that there's different parts of your brain that are working when you're doing different things. And so the empathic network lights up a different part of the brain. And this is when people are engaged in social tasks, where there's empathic thinking, where you're connecting with others and you're helping another person or you're actively you know, listening to understand. Interestingly enough, when you're arguing, can engage the empathic network. Um, so some of us think we're really good at that. Um, or when you ask somebody for help is engaging this network. Now, the interesting thing about the Analytic network and the empathic network is the way they work is, is that they're sort of mutually exclusive. That if you're engaged in fixing the problem, you're not engaged in connecting with the person. So I have a short video that gives a pretty good illustration of how this might work and see if you can figure out where the analytic network shows up and where the empathic network shows up. Watch the screen. It's just there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head it is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't. Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking to all right, did anybody pick up, you know, what might be the empathic network and what might be the analytic network? This is not a guy-gal thing, by the way. So it is uh, on both sides there. This is what Dr. Carolyn Leaf says about thinking. Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a devoted follower of Jesus. She's also a neuroscientist. 
this amazing mind in herself. She says, what you wire into your brain through thinking is stored in your non-conscious mind. The non-conscious mind is where 99.9% .9 of our mind activity is. It is the root level that stores the thoughts with the emotions and perceptions, and it impacts the conscious mind in what we say and do. Everything is first a thought. You know, the, 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 the thing that, the point that she is making is, is that all the inputs that we have put into us <laughs> and others have put into us, 99% of that is what is going on in what she calls the non-conscious or the subconscious mind. 99% of our, our mind activity is based around that. And so thinking is extraordinarily important. And so I want to talk about what does it mean to have grounded thinking? What does it mean to, to, in the pendulum swing where we can't control what life does to us, but we do have choices, we do have control over what we engage in. How do we engage in grounded thinking? And it's about choices and intention. Let me just sort of say that up front. This is that grounded thinking is about our choices and our intention. And both of those things are, we have been created by God to have the power to have control over. This is that we are people who have been given the power to choose. We can make, you know, do intentional things. And so grounded thinking from a um, biblical perspective is moving from conformed to transformed. If we're going to be a person who has grounded thinking, we're moving from being conformed to, to transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is good or what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And, and Paul, as he writes this, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I mean, Paul did not have um, fMRIs going on, functional MRIs, to look at how the brain was working. Uh, scripture didn't have that, the writers of Scripture, but God was the inspirer of those words that we read, and God fearfully and wonderfully made us. And he understood that there is a conformity that we can experience or there's a transformation that we can have, that life is not passive that you are shaping your brain every day. You're shaping your brain every day. Now, let me, let me address some of our, our students here. Um, as, um, as, as once a young person a long time ago, I remember what it's like to be irritated with your parents because they won't let you watch, read, or do things that you think, well, I'm old enough to do that. But what's going on there is, is that there is a concern by the parents to, to be careful about what is shaping your thinking by limiting your input of what is coming in because all of those things that are coming into your mind are shaping the way that you perceive and the way that you think. That it's an act of love, not an act of punishment. You might be passive, 
You might be passive in this world, but the, everything around us is not. There's, and there's a spiritual aspect to this. And so here's, here's the thing is, is that if you listen to Fox News every day, you know, 24-7, then your brain is being shaped by the opinions and the thoughts and the perspective of that. If you are watching MSNBC 24-7, then your brain is being shaped and your perceptions is being shaped by that input that is happening there. What we read, what we listen to, all of those things are shaping our thinking, and our thoughts. The, and that's where, you know, Scripture informs us and says, listen, don't be conformed. Recognize that those are having an impact and an effect on you. And one of the things I'm not saying here is, is that, okay, just, you know, cut everything off, right? Cut everything off. Don't listen to anything. Don't watch anything. Don't read anything. Don't do any of that. that no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that you have to be discerning because you need to be careful not to be conformed, but to be transformed. The other thing is, is, is to have grounded thinking, is to be, move from being passive to being intentional. Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians 4.8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, you know, the psalmist, 4,000 years ago, whatever, didn't have neuroscience to inform them of what they were writing, but God's Spirit did. To understand is, is that what we are meditating on, what we are thinking on, will shape the way that we think and therefore the way that we interact with the world. Grounded thinking is taking responsibility for the power of our choices. God has created us with the power to choose. And we can choose life and blessing, or we can choose death and cursing. This is a, a theme throughout Deuteronomy. This is a theme when the people of God are moving out of captivity and moving into the promised land, and they're, they're wandering out in the desert. And there's this, there's this passage where, where God just sort of lays it out. It says, okay, there's, there's two paths you can go down. There's a path that you can go down that, that has blessing in following me and following my word. Or there is a path that you can go down that has pain and has cursing. And that is the, the, the other path from me. And we have that power to choose. I mean, that is a lot of power. Sometimes we feel powerless in the world around us. We have tremendous amount of power of what we choose and what we choose. And then the, another part of grounded thinking is going from defeated to conqueror. From defeated to conquer. Has anybody ever felt like you've just like overrun and overcome by your thinking? I mean, particularly in the world today, right? I mean, it's just like, whew, you know, there's so much that's coming at us. There, there are, are many, many studies that have um, documented the negative emotional effect and impact 
of social media on those who engage on a regular basis. It's like, you know, if you, if you go on Facebook, you look on Facebook, what you're seeing is that you're seeing everybody's perfect life, right? You don't see the argument that they just had with their spouse right before they wrote that post, right? Before they posted that beautiful, you know, sunset picture of the mountains and all that type of thing. But, you know, they're, they're fighting with their spouse in that moment. It's like, no, everything's beautiful. You're like, why can't I have that life? Why can't I have that? I'm such a loser. From defeated to conqueror. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now this, uh, Paul in, in here, he is talking about this whole thing of, of how are you thinking? What are you thinking? And he's saying, listen, you are engaged in a spiritual battle. You are engaged in a spiritual war for your mind. As Dr. Carolyn Leaf said, you know, 99.9% of your mind activity is a subconscious. Everything starts as a thought. And so can we see how important that is? And, but God has not left us powerless. You know, Paul reminds us that we can take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. In 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. You know, we live, you know, definitely in, in a world where there's, we have more information, more data, more opinions, more input than any other time, Right? We, we, we can know in, you know, in a moment, in 30 seconds, I could ask you, what's happening in Bangladesh? You could Google, what's happening in Bangladesh? And you would know what is happening in Bangladesh. At first you go, where is Bangladesh, right? You know, it's like, but we can connect ourselves with that part, you know, uh, with that, all that data, all that information. But the thing is, is that scripture tells us that we need to test, we need to test to see, is this from God? Is this good from God? And, and here, let me give you a real quick, real quick um, basis for, for whether thing is, something is from God or not. And it is simply this. Does it bear the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. So as, as we look at the things, as we are aware of what is coming, and, and so two simple questions. Does this move me? The test is this. Does this move me to love God and to love others more deeply? And second question, does this move me to be paralyzed or does this move, mobilize me to action? So, you know, the things of the, this world, the thing that Satan wants to just sort of paralyze you, which is what anxiety does. It's like, ah, I can't do anything. I have no choices. When we come to this, um, the, the challenge of, of, of our thinking, then the challenge is this, is that we can get stuck. Has anybody ever gotten stuck in your thoughts? It's like, you just keep going over, you know, this thought keeps going again and again and again. 
I want to give you a simple three things to help you to get unstuck. Is the first is this. When you find your, your, yourself maybe stuck in anxiety, stuck in worry, stuck in an obsessive thought, is the first thing to do is this. Breathe. Breathe. You're thinking, well, I'm breathing right now. What are you talking about? No, I'm talking, you know, actually most people don't breathe very well. You're probably one of them. I was one of them too. So I'm going to give you real quick, it's going to take like less than a minute. I'm going to give you a real quick lesson on breathing. Okay, and it's a simple thing, it's called, it's, it's used in all kinds of different contexts. It's called box breathing. And it's breathing in deeply, so I want you to sort of sit comfortably, I'm going to, and you're, we're all going to do it together. Is this breathing from the bottom of your lungs up, okay? So it's like breathing really deeply. Breathe in deeply on the count of four. Hold it for four. Breathe out for four. Hold it for four. And you do that three times, okay? So we're going to do it. I'm going to count because I can't breathe and, and, and count at the same time. All right? So, but we're, I'm going I'm to have you do it two times. Okay? Just where you are. Are you ready? In, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Out, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. In, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Almost guaranteed if you're paying attention, you feel better now than you did before I started. Because God has created your body in such a way that deep breathing, it triggers all kinds of things within, within your body to bring some rest to yourself. So breathe. When you get stuck, breathe three times. In, hold, out, hold, box breathing. Second is to move. Move. Get up, move around, walk around the house, walk outside around the house, walk down the street, walk with intention, walk quickly, exert yourself. Because when you are caught in that, in that um, when you're stuck, your body has gone into a... Uh, sympathetic nervous system response. It's gone into a stress response. And you have fuel to burn, and that burns it. This is how God's made you. And then the third thing is to reveal it. Satan lives in the dark. Okay? Jesus brings things to the light. And you're thinking, man, that's a crazy thought. And it actually might be a crazy thought. Bring it into the light. Tell a friend. Tell your spouse. Tell your parents. See, because I'm convinced is that there can be thoughts that Satan can put, particularly when we are young, that we hold on to and that we reinforce that he uses to bring destruction into our life. And the power over that is when we bring them to light. So how do we, how do we experience in a practical way this grounded thinking. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 4 in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 25, Scripture tells us, gives us uh, a a way to, to make sure that we are living in this grounded way. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 20. 
He says, but that is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And there's, there's three things that, that are going on there. And, and one is, is to, to acknowledge your thoughts and acknowledge particularly those deadly thoughts. This is it, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And that there's a root issue that is going on here. And, and what is it that I'm thinking? I'll I tell you, I, I was reflecting over the last couple of years, and, and I, I'm not sure that... Um, I'm not sure that I'm a more spiritual person after the last two years. I don't know. I think that uh, it has tested me and challenged me in ways that, that have been new to me. And I, one of the things I find is I'm extraordinarily impatient lately. Um, most people around me, probably that is not news to them. So I apologize. Sorry. Sort of a little bit of that analytic network, you know, coming in, not a whole lot of the emotive network. And, and I was reading a devotional um, with a, a friend of mine, and and the devotional writer changed and challenged my thinking and said, trials are not temptations, they are training. The challenges that you're going through, that's the training ground of God for righteousness in your life. And I'd just seen everything and everybody that was in my way as an irritant, right? And I was like, no, actually that is God at work giving me a training opportunity to trust him, which at times I find really irritating. I have to be honest with you, all right? But it totally changed the way that I see those experiences. And so what am I thinking? And then when you recognize what you're thinking, reject falsehood. And to ask the question, is it true? Is this person an irritant or is this person a training opportunity? What is, what is true? To put off your old self, um, Paul says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Again, there's a root there. And then to embrace new truth. What does God say? And just as that devotional sort of reframe things to say, no, this is an opportunity. God is in the midst of all things in my life. This is a way for me to trust him and to embrace that truth, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And then to practice the new truth. What will I do differently? What, what am I going to do differently now? And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And the, the imagery that Paul uses here is somebody taking off dirty clothes, old clothes, ragged clothes, and putting on new clothes, putting on righteousness. It's a, a, a dressing and undressing that, that is going on here. Again, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That if we want to live a grounded life, there is this awareness that we have to have. And then there's a taking off. There is a embracing the truth through the spirit of God and then beginning to do that. See the doing differently. That's the fruit, right? That's the fruit. If there's something that you don't like 
in your life, an attitude, an action in your life, that's a fruit. What you have to look at is not the fruit, but what is the root. And what God gives us is the ability to deal with the root and to change that, to change, to be transformed instead of being conformed is dealing with the root. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to what comprehend, to think, with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Being grounded is consistently living out of the love and the knowledge and the presence and the strength of Jesus. And grounded thinking leads us into that place and so one of the things I've been giving us each week is a, is a wisdom exercise. And the wisdom exercise for you this week is this, is to test your thinking. Test your thinking. Begin to be aware of what am I thinking? And then to ask this question, hold it up to Scripture, and to say, is this true? Whatever it is, whatever comes in, become aware, oh, I'm having this thought. Ask the question, is it true? So hold it up to Scripture. And the second thing is, have the courage, take the risk to hold it up to community. Hold it up to someone that you trust to say, hey, you know what? I was thinking this. I was thinking this about, if you really want to be brave, tell your spouse, I was thinking this about you. Is this true? We've ended our messages each week with the surrender prayer. See, the thing about living a grounded life is not that we would be perfectly centered so that Jesus and God would love us. No, it is inviting Jesus into the pendulum swing to experience his love and his wisdom and his strength wherever we find ourselves. And so as you recognize and acknowledge these thoughts that you have, that don't live the lie. Recognize that, that you're in a spiritual battle and there are a lot of lies that we can believe. And as we recognize those thoughts, as we say to Jesus, Jesus, I surrender this thought to you right now, in this moment. Come be with me and I will follow you. Jesus, I surrender this thought to you right now. Come be with me, and I will follow you. Next week, we're going to look at what does it mean to have grounded emotions. Let's pray. Jesus, there's so much that your word has to teach us and to tell us about centering ourselves in your truth and your word so that we can live lives that are the abundant life that you intended and designed and desire for us to live. Lord, I pray that as we recognize how fearfully and wonderfully made that we are, that, 
we also are in a spiritual battle. And that there is a path of blessing and life that you offer us. Help us, Jesus, not only for us to choose individually, but to help those around us to see that path, to see that blessing, and to help them to choose as well. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.